Welcome to Equinox, where Rob and I are ne- never going to give into the dark side, and um, <laughs> this is the wrong script. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was for the episode about uh, the dark side of science. <laughs> I don't know how I got this script up. You haven't had enough of the subject material for tonight's episode. That's the problem. Yes, let's try this again. <clears throat> Welcome to Equinox, episode 71. Woo-hoo. And our, uh, no, no, that's the, ep- that's the script for the Nobel Prize episode. What? What just happened? I don't know. <sighs> I thought you always said the same thing. I didn't realize it was different. I didn't. No, no, no. I, I actually edited the document. Can I hit undo? I can't hit undo. Welcome to Equinox. Um, Rob and I are exploring the light in the dark or something like that. And- I need to actually reference the show to make sure I got the exact wording yeah. right. Let me. Get this is episode this seventy-one. I don't have it written. A hot cup of Joe. I thought that was funny how you did that. It's supposed to be about tea, not coffee. But you know. All right. <laughs> okay. Let me let me hear myself. Welcome to Equinox, where Rob and I are striking the balance between the light and the dark. This is episode seventy. My name is Joseph. Dar- okay. Striking the balance between the light and the dark. Ah, that's it. That's it. That's yeah. it. That, that's what threw me off. I knew it had something to do with the light and the dark. You only said it 70 times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> okay. Where Rob and I are striking the balance between the light and the dark. This is episode 71. My name is Joseph Darnell, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Robert Carter. Hello, Rob. Hello, Joe. As you were saying, I, I could use some of that stuff that we were talking about in today's episode. Yes, me too. But it's all right. Yeah, you can't yeah. have too much. And plus, it's seven forty-seven in the evening now. There's no way I'm going to touch that. I do like to sleep. No, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to some explanations about how that stuff works. By the way, in today's episode. All right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm loving the season. Fall's my favorite. Gorgeous outside. It feels fresh. It smells different. Yes. I feel like going places. I feel like going to the gym. Yes. It, just because the temperature dropped like 10 degrees. It's so yeah, nice. You'd be outside and not feel like you're dying. So I got, I got quarantined this week for a COVID exposure. Uh, and so I couldn't go to work. So I just, I basically spent all week sitting on my front porch, work, working from my front porch. It was so nice. Well, good. Glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, I know your home can be kind of damp, but it hasn't rained lately. So it's probably not too humid right now, right? Well, same as yours. Yeah, yeah. You just have a little bit more trees than I do. <laughs> oh, yes, I, yeah. So I, th- I think that the air uh, lingers a little bit more. Well, my backyard especially. I'd, I've never actually sat on the porch in my backyard, hmm. the back porch, just because it's all you know shady yeah. and mosquitoey. But the front front porch is beautiful. I noticed when we moved into this place that they had fixed up the place really well. The one thing though that was noticeably left as is was the driveway and the driveway was fine except whatever had happened over the years i think that the way that the the wind travels through the neighborhood it blew a lot of georgia red clay dust Ah. across (laughs) our driveway but because it looked like they had never cleaned the driveway up and it looked like just as years went by, it created a residual caked-on layer of Georgia red clay that had settled across the driveway. Mm. I, I had to power spray it off. It was yucky. Mm. 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 So, mm. you want to talk about beverages. That is such a, the, a perfect topic for the season. Yeah, except everyone else is going to get the nasty pumpkin spice stuff. Ugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> grossest stuff in the world. Okay, but honestly, <laughs> I noticed that many restaurants seem to have like uh, a, a, a trouble getting quality control consistency over pumpkin spice lattes and the like. Have you ever found one that you did like over the years? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never tried them. What? You've never tried? <laughs> no. I don't like the smell and the things that do have pumpkin spice flavor in them. I'm like, why would someone taste this? Oh. So, why would I... Why would I continue to try something that I find very offensive? Wait, so you don't like pumpkin pie? Not really. Uh-huh. Okay. But that doesn't really taste like pumpkin spice latte or anything like that. Those are fake flavors. True. Now, now there are people who will observe that pumpkin spice lattes to them taste like they're drinking pumpkin pie. I wouldn't carry it that far, but I do think that they have some of the similar spices. Okay. And that's because the pumpkin pie spices. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste like pumpkins. Mm-hmm. I like pumpkin seeds. In fact, I have a package of pumpkin seeds in my uh, my cupboard that I get out and put in my smoothies every once in a while. Oh, nice. Or I'll just you know, eat a handful and chew them down. Yum, yum, yum. But yeah. pumpkin's okay as far as eating. Squash is much better, of course. Okay. Why do you say that? I, I'm not a big fan of squash. Oh, man. When you take it and you slice it and you fry it in olive oil with flour and salt. Oh, that's the best. Okay. Um, I'm taking notes here. I've never had any fried squash. What? That's like the southern way to do it. Okay. Note to my mom, she's done it wrong all these years. Or when you split it in half and you put Parmesan on it and you put it on, on the upper part of your grill and you shut it and kind of let the hamburger smoke get in there and you get the Parmesan on it. Oh, the crookneck yellow squashes. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Well, okay. Well, then here's a, the question of the week for you. If you don't enjoy... Uh, pumpkin spice for the fall. Do you have a beverage, a hot beverage that you enjoy besides the tea? Do you do you have a seasonal tea? Even do you like apple cider? No, not really. Mm-hmm. No, I mean I like apple cider. You don't. You just won't go out of your way. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's nothing I would look forward to. It just happens every once in a while. <sighs> Rob, you're missing out. Hmm. You, you got to invest. Yeah, some. I don't. I don't need to change with the seasons. I know what I like, and I like what no. I like, and that's just you know the way it is. Fall is the perfect moment to spend some quality time with some hot liquids. It's just oh, it's so good. Yeah, a cup of tea. Hot chocolate's nice. I like hot chocolate. Or okay, a, hot chocolate. You there know, you a go. nice um, an eggnog with real rum in it. That's not too bad. Yeah, but then, but I save that for December. Yeah, once once a year maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the same here. We 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 will make a gallon's worth or so. And enjoy that around the holidays in December. I wouldn't have it in September, October. Too early. I agree. Hmm. Okay, so let's move into this one little side item before we get back to the hot stuff. Jupiter's great red spot is getting faster. This is bizarre. This is like at least a 400-year-old storm. We don't know when it started. We just know it's been storming for that long. The thing is like 400 miles an hour on the edge. A little slower in the middle, faster on the outside. And because we've had the Hubble telescope up for so long, they've been looking at Jupiter so much over like 10 years or more, they were able to do a time series, an analysis of it and say, look at this, this thing is getting faster. It's like 7 or 8% faster than it used to be over just 10 years. So the storm is evolving, it's changing. And we have no idea why. Hmm. But the middle part is actually getting slower. Really? So there's a greater speed difference between the center and the outside edge. Huh. What, on, what is this thing? We don't know. We have no clue. It looks like a, a really bad sore around the belly button of Jupiter. It has yeah. a, is, is it going to be around forever, do you think? Or does it... We, we don't know. Yeah. Because we only see the top surface of it. We don't know how deep it goes. 
We don't know what's happening below the surface. We only see the red spot only, and we can only see the surface winds on the top. It's like you'd be like looking at a a thunderstorm from the top. Yeah, you just don't know much about it. Well, you know, all of this, all of the atmosphere of Jupiter kind of looks like one of those uh, decorations you have on a desk that you flip over that spills sand in different colors oh, and layers and slowly yes. you know, clouding up and making new patterns to it. That's what the whole atmosphere yes. looks like. When, when really it's yeah, actually- You see the time lapse? Yeah, the time lapse. I'm watching it right now. Time lapses of Jupiter and Saturn. I mean, just, just shockingly beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. All those bands and all those weird countercurrent flows and things. But, but yep, so Jupiter is a mystery. Something like that, like really high-res footage of this surface, you know, full screen would make an excellent uh, screensaver. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Very pretty. Well, check it out, everybody. Yeah, this storm is getting faster. It's, is it getting bigger? Not necessarily. Okay, because it's already... But if it changes in the future, that would not be surprising. Makes sense. All right. Well... It's just getting too excited about the pumpkin spice lattes and anxious to get started with the season. <laughs> All right. So how do we introduce the subject? You or me? Who's first? I want you to announce what yesterday was and I'll announce what tomorrow is. Yes. So at the time we're recording this, yesterday was the 29th National Coffee Day in the United States and maybe a couple other places. A couple of the yes. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow, October 1st, is International <laughs> Coffee Day in many countries. Woohoo! Now, January the 3rd is Mongolian Coffee Day. Okay, good for them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, in honor of National Coffee Day, let's talk about that thing, that je ne sais quoi, that certain (laughs) ineffable element inside coffee that makes coffee what it is. Yes, coffee plus so many soft drinks and energy drinks and tea. Yes, but if it wasn't for this thing... No one would ever start a drinking coffee. Why would you do that? Well, that's a good point. Well, I mean, it does taste good. Humans d- have brewed up weirder things. This is true, but it would never have taken off into some international popularity thing. Mm, good point. Yes. So what is that thing? The thing is that thing that fueled the Industrial Revolution. The thing is the thing that has caused wars. It, there ought to be some sort of like 1950s style jingle for C-A-F-F-E-I-N-E, you know, or the substance. <laughs> Double F, E-I-N-E. <laughs> I, I bet there is one. I just don't know it. Yeah. Caffeine. Yes. That is the subject of tonight or today uh, or you listener, whenever you're listening, caffeine. What is it? Why is it? Where does it come from? How do we deal with it? How good is it for us? And things like that. All fascinating questions. Yeah, there's so many um, oddities around caffeine. Like the idea that it gives you jitters. It, it literally feels like it's the closest thing to consuming something that would give you the sensation of like uh, sticking your finger into an electrical socket. Uh, it's that way for me. I got to be real careful. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I got to be real. I, I can't have a lot. I rarely get affected by jitters, but oh, when man. I do, I know, I, know what it, I know what it is. I just don't know why I get it sometimes. Hard to say, I wouldn't know. When I was, I think, just five or six years old, I didn't have all that much in the way of caffeine. And my mom was taking a road trip to see her sister, and it was like a 10-hour drive. And we left around maybe five, six in the evening, I think. And you had a Red Bull. <laughs> this was before red bulls existed 
But, uh, you know, I'm like five or six years old. We're on the road and we, uh, we stopped at a gas station or something. And all I wanted was a Coke. And my mom got me a Coke because I begged it and pleaded for it. And she was like, it's going to keep you awake. You can't, you shouldn't be drinking this. I, I can't believe I'm buying this for you. I'm like, no, no, I'll be fine. Yeah. My children don't have the ability to realize that this actually does affect them. They don't notice it affects them. So, so the thing was, is that she gave me the Coke and I drank it and I, Rob, I was, I mean, I know this is like not the topic exactly, but I really wasn't affected by it. And I went to sleep. What? And I woke up hours later and we were almost to my aunt's house. I, I, I wondered if uh, there could be any plausible explanation for there are just some people genetically. You're a mutant, man. Yeah, I'm a mutant. <laughs> I, I, could, I could believe that because. I mean, even the sugar didn't affect you? I mean, what on earth? Yeah, the sugar nor the caffeine. And, and to this day, I, I don't really think that I am majorly affected by the caffeine. Wow. Yeah, I have a friend who late at night, if he's sleepy driving, he'll just get the, you know, the stoutest cup of coffee he can. He'll just sip it while he's driving. I, I, I can't do that. I mean, I can't have caffeine after lunch. I'll wake up at two o'clock in the morning with my heart pounding, you know, in a sweat because of the caffeine. Wow. We roast our own coffee beans. I'm drinking a quart of coffee and I, I, I drink it until 4.30 in the afternoon. Wow. I have a cup or two of tea per day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes none at all. Yeah. Wow. At 23me.com, um, my little genetic test, they said, you are have a high likelihood of being a slow caffeine metabolizer. Wow. Okay. And I said, oh, <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> I'm a fast metabolizer. Then. Okay. So, This molecule we're talking about is either good for you or bad for you, depending on the situation. Yes. Well, please explain it then. Okay, well, there's this strange little ring-shaped molecule. It's very, very simple. It's got some carbons and some oxygens and some nitrogens and some hydrogens. And there's a couple of double bonds in there, but it it makes a a double ring, a six-sided ring and a five-sided ring. And it's very common looking. I, I mean, this looks like the nucleotide bases in DNA. This looks like a lot of other biochemicals. It's so similar to so many of the things you learn in biochemistry, but this one will stimulate your adrenal glands for some reason. Hmm. And it's an amazing biomolecule because it's also a pesticide. Okay. So do they use it in real pesticides? Well, um, plants do. Plants that express this in your tissues are resistant to insects because the insects will eat it and then die or get agitated or have digestive problems. Oh, is, is it like they will get their adrenaline going so fast and hard that they just kill over, have a heart, heart attack? Of like a- I don't know that insects have adrenaline. I don't know how it affects them, but it definitely affects them. Hmm. And they can kill an insect dead or just make it like not like the plant or something. I don't know, but it's, it's toxic. It's highly toxic. Okay, this is, now you got me really curious. We put out some boric acid or we put out some diatomaceous earth yes. for the spiders in, during the fall. Okay. If we put out caffeine powder, would that, would that kill the spiders? Well, let's see. The diatomaceous earth will tear up their insides. The boron, the borax, whatever it is, will make them sterile. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. It doesn't actually kill them outright. It may, just makes them so they can't reproduce. Okay. Yeah, caffeine it is a natural pesticide. Fascinating. It's just going to cost you a lot of money. It's like $100 a kilogram. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, never mind then. Or I, I, my son's going to grow a garden. He can start growing some coffee plants. We can grow some caffeine. Yeah, you can plant things like um, marigolds and things like that. There's other things, sage. 
good aromatic things that are natural pest deterrents. Ooh, nice. Okay, continue. Okay, but um, yeah, it is a pesticide. It's expensive, but it's also too general. I mean, it would kill your pets. It would kill you. It would kill the insects. And it might stick around in the ground for a while. So it's not something that, that people want to use as a pesticide. They have done it before. Just the same way um, extracts of tobacco. I mean, tobacco, um, um, nicotine, is absolutely a pesticide. It is toxic and deadly. But it's too general. It kills everything, not just insects. So we want something that's only going to kill aphids or only going to kill you know, something or only kills a class of insects or... You put it on your plants and any insect there will die today, but the stuff will be completely decomposed by tomorrow. That's the kind of insecticides we want. And caffeine and nicotine don't fit that bill. Okay. Hmm. But as molecule goes, they're, they're fascinating. There's four nitrogens in there, a couple oxygens, some carbons. It's also very similar to another chemical called theobromine. Did you say theo or theo? Theo. Okay. T-H-I-O, I think? I probably wrote T-H-E-O, God, but I think it's Thio. In the notes, that is, you listeners. Theobromine is the same exact thing as caffeine if you take off one carbon. Uh, on that double ring structure, there's a carbon sticking off of one, one side. If you pop that off and replace it with a hydrogen, you get theobromine. And that's the stuff in chocolate that will kill your dog. Huh. Now, it doesn't kill us, but dogs and cats, their tolerance to theobromine is about one-fifth that of a human. So, per kilogram... If you ate a pound of chocolate and you had like a 160-pound dog and it ate a pound of chocolate, the dog would die and you wouldn't. But it would kill you if you ate much, much, much more of it. But humans, mice, and rats have about the same tolerance level for theobromine. Dogs and cats have a lower tolerance. That's why you say, don't feed your dog chocolate, it'll die. Yeah, it's probably not true, but it can if it eats a lot of chocolate. Okay. But wait a second, does that mean we're eating things that are toxic? Oh, uh, hmm. that's a fascinating question isn't it yeah the answer is absolutely every food we eat is full of things that would kill us dead if we concentrated them i mean super deadly toxins in and broccoli are you kidding me you know what's in broccoli <laughs> all those sulfur containing compounds that gives it a pungent smell and flavor i mean th- those things they are toxic radishes i mean even lettuces oh nice little lettuce no there are biomolecules that if you concentrated them are are abject poisons Hmm. so wait a second why do we eat these things we use the other nutrients we we can expel a certain number of toxins before they hurt us some of these things are nutrients that too (laughs) <laughs> vitamin d don't ever eat polar bear liver actually don't eat carnivore liver okay you will die there's too much vitamin d in it whoa vitamin d is toxic and it's fat soluble so it builds up in the body vitamin c is water soluble so you pee it away really quickly i don't think anyone's ever had a vitamin c overdose but vitamin d overdoses absolutely have happened wow and yet it's nutritionally required yeah so how, how is it possible that we can eat things that are toxic and we know they're toxic and yet we have to eat some of them and other ones we just like to eat? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember this part of biology, but it is a fascinating one. The phrase is, it's the dose that makes the poison. Oh, right. 
Things we call poisons are things that will kill us at a very low dose. But a lot of things that are poisons we eat, they just would take a very high dose to kill us. Or you never find that thing in pure form in nature. So you would never, you know, that stuff in broccoli that, that, that makes it pungent, you would never find that like, you know, in a drop of nothing but that chemical. That chemical is diluted with all these other chemicals. But biochemistry is crazy because literally that, that stuff is, is toxic. And we have this thing called caffeine and theobromine, which we love consuming theobromine. I don't think it has much of a flavor, but it's part of the chemical melange of chocolate. And chocolate's a very interesting substance in itself because it's, I've heard, I've never had the raw cacao bean. I've heard it's very bitter and not, it doesn't taste like chocolate. It doesn't look like, it's white. It doesn't look like chocolate. Mm. You have to ferment it and then you roast it a little bit. And depending on how you ferment it, how you roast it, how you process those beans, that brings out different flavors. It's like the difference between cabbage and sauerkraut. That's the difference between the cacao bean and chocolate. Or the difference between corn and whiskey or rye and bourbon. Hmm. I mean, bourbon does not taste like the grains it's made from at all. And that, that you know, you get those complicated flavors that, that all those amazing mixtures of chemicals in there that make it so good. That's what chocolate is. It's a mixture of it's a complex mixture of flavors that comes about through a very complex chemical reaction. And that's why there's no such thing as artificial chocolate flavor. Or at least when you eat something that has artificial chocolate, you like, ew. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Nope. Because it can't be. Hmm. You would call that chocolate. You wouldn't call it whatever they're trying to do. But what they do is they find a couple, a couple of chemical components that are that are remind you of chocolate, and that's what the fake chocolate flavor is. Yeah, cool. I'm I love. Oh, sorry, I'm getting off on biochemistry here. I love biochemistry. Oh, this is good. Keep it up. And organic chemistry. I made straight A's in organic chemistry. That wasn't true in my other chemistry classes, but organic, I loved it. It was the coolest thing in the world doing all these biochemicals and caffeine and theobromine and other things are just biochemicals. In fact, organic chemicals, they have carbon and oxygen and hydrogen in them. So, where do you find caffeine in nature? Two places you know right away, right? Yeah, the plants, coffee. And tea. Yeah, yeah. Coffee is in a totally different plant family than tea. In fact, tea is a camellia. Oh. Yeah, southern camellia plants, right? Growing in people's gardens here in the south is a very common, old-fashioned plant that people would grow. Well, that's the coffee family. Cocoa is in the Malvaceae family. Totally, I mean, not just a different genus, totally different family. There's another thing called yerba mate, which I love yerba mate. Me too. That's one of the teas I like. I, I drink th- yerba mate several times a month, probably. It's supposedly toxic. It has polyaromatic hydrocarbons in it. Oh. Um, yeah, and so does a lot of other things we eat too. And but they're like, yeah, but the amount you would have to drink to get to the toxic level is a lot. You're talking about liters per day, and I might have a couple a week. Okay. So I'm not worried about it. Same reason, if I'm walking through the woods and I see a sassafras tree, I'm going to pick a leaf off and pop it in my mouth and chew on it. Oh, okay. Because I love that flavor. It's like a root beer sort of flavor. Yeah. A root, the first root beers were sassafras roots, but it has carcinogenic chemicals in it. So I'm not going to eat it a lot. I'm not going to drink a lot of root beer from a sassafras tree. I have a couple times in my life. It's yummy. Hmm. But again, it's, it's, it's a 
it's a dose thing. If you drink a lot of it, you might be risking something. If you have it occasionally, there's no risk at all. At least the risk isn't any greater than the general background risk of developing cancer or something from whatever else you might have eaten or a cosmic ray that comes in from outer space. So any chance that you've ever had a real sarsaparilla? I don't know if you can get a hold of them. I think that if there was a product that was labeled sarsaparilla, it'd just be marketing for a root beer. Yeah, the, the root beer flavor is fake. It's a chemical that they just manufacture in a plant. Oh, man, you just ruined root beer. Well, that's just what it is. I like the root beer flavor, but it's not really what, what real root beer tastes like. Okay. It's, huh. The real stuff's better and different. Yeah, I should think. But again, what they did is they picked something that was close enough that they could trick people into thinking it was the real thing. But yerba mate is in the Aquifoliaceae family. Um, it's, it's an ilex. Ilex is holly. So yerba mate is a holly bush of some sort. Strange. And yeah. there's another one called guarana. It's a climbing vine from the Amazon. It's in a pollinia. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a soap berry of the Sapinidaceae family. I think oaks are soap berries or something like that. It's a huge family of a whole lot of different things. But the Paulini is a very common vine in the Amazon basin, all the way up through Central America. I've seen it in Belize. It's just really common. It's a whole bunch of different Paulinias. But the Guarana has more caffeine than any other plant. It's got 300 milligrams per cup. Wow. A strong cup of coffee has 200. Like, I mean, a super strong cup of coffee. Most coffees are like 100. So I've never had Guarana. I don't think I would just because I think it would send me spinning off for a week. But tea, love it. The camellia. Uh, yerba mate, love it. That's, a, that's an Ilex. Coffee, yeah, okay. Coffee is species. And then a cocoa, Theobroma. Cacao. Mm, yum, yum. And cacao is a weird tree. It's bizarre. Cacao. Yeah. This has that name that sounds like cacao. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's where we get cocoa from of course and then they have the coconut and the coconut nut is not a nut do you know that song <laughs> no <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i want to find it i'm gonna youtube it for you and you're gonna laugh the coconut nut is a big big nut but this delicious nut is not a nut it's the cocoa fruit <laughs> it's like this is mind worm that you can't forget <laughs> anyway so the coconut nut, which is not a nut, and it's not late related to cocoa at all. It's a palm tree, but cacao or cocoa, the pods grow out of the trunk of the tree. Okay. What on earth? Huh. It's not like, you know, a flower growing at the end, end of a stem, you know, or, or most everything else. The flowers and the fruits and the buds and the and whatever, they, they're growing on the ends of the, the stems. This is actually popping out the side of the tree. Huh. And it's gross. I mean, it's white and nasty on the inside. And somehow someone figured out how to make chocolate. Mm. Hmm. There's an old, old commercial. I don't remember what it was. Was it Dairy Queen? I don't know. But it starts off and you don't even realize what this guy's saying. But he's saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize how much we were going to reference advertising in this episode. I didn't either. That's kind of funny. I'm pretty sure that you have already spliced into the final episode. Um, the coconut nut is not a nut. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I've looked for that chocolate one and I can't find it. And something like a chocolate cow and a chocolate stream. And, and maybe it was just, just a chocolate milk they were advertising. Or I don't remember what it was. But that, 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 that beginning of that, that commercial just sticks in my brain. Okay. Yes. So, all right. So, now we know what caffeine is. We know where it comes from. Is it good for us or bad for us? 
I've heard both arguments on this. And many years ago, I actually did a a coffee roasting enthusiast podcast. Oh, really? And we had an episode where we talked about caffeine. Okay. When you're at your computer, you don't feel like you're really working unless you have a coffee cup attached to your hand. So it's not that you need the caffeine necessarily. It's just that this has become a physically addictive activity. You're also ingesting a bunch of caffeine that you probably don't need. So it's it's a little bit of both. It's a it, it's a physical and a mental addiction. Yeah, I mean, here here's a study that says that it's good for your legs, but not good for your arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! So so just pour it on your legs and and don't let it touch your arms. So the armless man has nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the lesson. If if you want to drink a lot of coffee, cut your arms off. Now another thing that kind of bugs me, or I, I don't know wh- what kind of con- conclusions to draw from this, is that. The number one argument I've heard from healthcare professionals that are opposed to coffee is that it depletes your body's absorption of B vitamins, and that it may have something to do with you know the large dose of caffeine that comes in every eight ounce cup. And if you, and this is something that my healthcare professionals have told me. They've said if you're going to drink coffee, go decaf. And, the, and you know we're not scientists, but we did some research, and in general, it's not harmless depending on how much you drink how you know how old you are you know how big your body mass is things like that how healthy you are but it's it's okay but is it healthy for you there was an interesting point that there could be some trace nutrients in coffee besides the caffeine but is caffeine good for you Mm. well how many billions of people regularly consume caffeine oh yeah billions right and how long have we been doing this? Several hundred years. This is the world's longest running, most widespread scientific experiment in human history, besides maybe wheat or potatoes. But I mean, this is, this is not just a food. This is a, a drug. Right. And our lifespan has only increased. Interesting. So you, do you think that there could be some contra- contribution from caffeine? Well, you're less likely to fall asleep at the wheel and die. Right? I mean, you're more likely to perform yeah. well on tests and therefore get into medical school and therefore make a lot of money. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know that it has any positive nutritional benefit, but it does not look like a poison at all. Even though we know it's a poison, even consuming it every single day for 80 years, you don't die from it. Wow. <laughs> that is awesome. Good news for me. I guess so. But if you have too much caffeine, it can leach calcium out of your bones. Okay. That's, uh, that's good to know. It does interfere with calcium absorption. So, mm-hmm. you know, older people uh, start getting osteoporosis, you know, their, your bone density goes down over time. Well, maybe that's a contributing factor. Maybe not, but maybe it is. Hmm. Uh, it definitely can trigger in, in some people anxiety. It can trigger insomnia uh, a little too much. You can get intestinal problems, get diarrhea. You can get muscle breakdown, rhabdomyolysis. So now we are still talking about caffeine. We're not describing the, the elements of coffee, correct? No, we're talking about caffeine specifically, yeah. Okay. A hypertension, high blood pressure, right? Kidney failure, rapid heart rate. Those things are all symptoms of caffeine poisoning. Wow. But it takes a lot, 
Now, the lethal dose of caffeine is about 10 grams. If you consume 10 grams, which you can easily fit in the palm of your hand, you will die, depending on your weight, of course. Oh. And maybe I'm be more likely to die than you because of our genetic differences. Oh, right. But about 10 grams will kill a person dead. Coffee's got about 100 milligrams. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's very different. You would have to drink 100 cups of coffee in one sitting. <clears throat> you can't do it. No. no. I mean, tea, tea's got 25 to 50 milligrams. You, you cannot drink that much. Your mate is about 85. Guarana, I said earlier, is about 300. So if you could have 30 cups of guarana tea, you'd probably keel over dead. But you can't keep that much in you. You'd be peeing it away so fast. You, you can't put that much caffeine into you. Energy drinks, 50 to 300, depending on what can of soda is, about 70. So we're way below the toxic threshold. Even if you drank nothing but caffeinated beverages all day long, you can't poison yourself with it. So that does remind me, while I was reading about coffee under, I think it was the International Coffee Day history, uh, it could have been the national one in an article we have in our show notes. They mentioned that there was a time, I want to say, in the 1600s, maybe, when there was an attempt to try and have a capital punishment carried out by making the, uh, those on death row drink so much caffeine that they, they die, and it didn't work. So, uh, <laughs> they just hop around and jostle for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they, they canceled that. I wonder why they thought it would have killed them. Interesting. Maybe uh, just one of those things where they thought it gives you the jitters, it keeps you awake, you know, mm. maybe enough of it would kill you. All right, here's another interesting factoid. A nicotiana species, that's um, tobacco, is a nightshade. Now, nightshade is a deadly toxin. If you eat the nightshade plant, you're dead. But are there any other nightshades that you can name? Isn't a tomato a nightshade? Yes. And eggplants yeah. and peppers. So peppers. And potatoes. See, that doesn't sound right. How can a potato and a tomato be nightshades? Well, they're all a nightshade family. What about yams? Nope. Different plant. See, they have like way more in common with potatoes. I don't care what scientists say. <laughs> totally, completely different. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, nightshades are known for lots of toxins, but not all nightshades are toxic. And some nightshades, some plant, parts of the plant are toxic and others aren't. But they all contain nicotine. So peppers, tomatoes, potatoes, and eggplant, they have nicotine in them. Not a lot, but it's there. And so what we're looking at is within one plant family, whether it's the, the tea camellias or whether it's uh, nicotine-producing things or whether it's coffee plants, we see a lot of variability, as if they had some genetic toolkit where in their biosynthesis pathway, some pathways could be turned on and some could be turned off, and it would produce different results, different flavors, different amounts of some chemicals versus other chemicals. And over time, farmers have found occasionally some cultivar or some plant they were used to that was very different. And they said, oh, we're going to call this a tomato. And no, it's not going to kill you. And all of a sudden, we have Italian food. Wow. The tomato was not part of the diet of humans until the Middle Ages. Because nightshades are toxic. And the potato came from South America. 
there were no potatoes in Europe before Columbus. That was not part of the European food stuff. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. But because of this toolbox sort of a thing, you can get... It's funny because the evolutionists are going to talk about it as if evolution is happening here when all it is is a mutation. Or maybe there's a uh, recombination in, amongst chromosomes and now a new combination of these uh, chemistry pathways. Different enzymes are expressed or not expressed. And all of a sudden, you have a new enzyme. It's going to add something else to that molecule. Oh, now you have theobromine instead of, instead of caffeine or something like that. And they found, they, we now have several wild coffee plants, one of them from the Comoros Islands and one from Central Africa, that don't produce caffeine. Well, that's, still, that's boring. That's so sad. Yes, but it can produce caffeine while retaining all the flavors of real coffee. Th- that's, that's great. Okay, that sounds better. Because when you decaffeinate, you can't just pull one chemical out. Yeah, it manipulates the flavors. It's not the same. I mean, and sometimes expensive decaffeinated coffee, you might try to take the caffeine out of that and then add the flavors back to your beans. It's not easy. We're getting better at it over time, but it's not necessarily easy. And so finding naturally decaffeinated plants is economically something people want to do. But we've also found two different teas that are also caffeine-free. Now, one of them is a different species than the T. camellia, and the other one is a wild cultivar of the regular old tea plant that has been found in the wilds of China. They say, hey, this thing has no caffeine in it. And so they're starting to cultivate that. Fascinating. Huh. So economically, this is really cool. But it also gives, it gives opportunities to crossbreed some of these things to see what might pop out. And who knows what might pop out? Like a, uh, a half and half coffee. Can you imagine a... a, a Coffee chocolate. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Which we have all the time, right? In Starbucks. Yeah. But this would be one that just comes off the plant. Organic coffee chocolate. Yeah. Th- things like that. We, we, God allowed these things to change. That, that's one of my, my sticks I have. Species were designed to change. I did a four-part biblical genetics episode on this this summer, and I did a three-part series on creation.com. Species were designed to change. And plants are like that. Their genes and certain, certain things, if you try to change it, the plant's dead. But there are other things where you can see a lot of change. And that some of those things have become very important crops for us. Now, I don't know what the original tea plant might have been like. I don't know what the original coffee plant might have been like. I don't know what cocoa used to be back, you know, thousands of years ago. But someone found something that was different enough. They said, oh, we want that. And they started planting lots of it. And that's where we get our, our crops and things that we grow because we like to consume them. Yeah. All right. So next question then. How do they decaffeinate? How do you pull only the caffeine out of a bean or a tea leaf when there's so many other chemicals in there? Yeah. They call it Swiss water processing. It's some kind of voodoo. I don't get it. <laughs> well, back in the day, they used benzene. And then we were told that that wasn't a good idea. No, that's carcinogenic. Carcinogenic. No, benzene is not good for you. Carbolic acid or benzene. Mm -hmm. Bad juju. You don't want to have that in your food. So then they went to methylene chloride, which is also toxic, but better than benzene. And then they went to ethyl acetate, which is much safer. It's still toxic, but it's something that appears a lot in normal foods that we eat. So at low concentrations, it's not toxic. So it's a natural thing. It's just still, it's ethylene acetate. That sounds like something I don't want to eat. <laughs> no, no. And then they went to 
supercritical carbon dioxide. Now, supercriticality is a really cool thing, but it's also strange. Like, you know that you've seen dry ice, right? That's solid carbon dioxide. Yeah. But what happens when you just sit it there? It just it sublimates and turns into carbon dioxide gas. You never see the carbon dioxide liquid. No. No. But if you pressurize that, you can see the liquid. Oh. The liquid does it instantly poof into gas. Awesome. You can actually see all three. It's called the triple point. You can see the liquid, the solid, and the gas at the same time. I've held a, a, a plastic container that one of my friends at Georgia Tech had. He put some dry ice in a thing. We're blowing up Coke bottles. And this plastic didn't blow up. It was tough enough to hold all that pressure. And it was really stupid old thing because it was like a bomb in my hand. But he's like, oh, look at that. I see liquid CO2. So I held it. I'm sure enough. I'm looking at liquid CO2, solid CO2, and I knew the rest was filled with gas. Nice. That was awesome. We found the triple point. But if you pressurize it even more, and if you heat it up even more, there's no difference now between the liquid and the gas phase. It becomes this amorphous sort of a substance. It's called supercritical. And if you take coffee and tea and you perfuse it with supercritical carbon dioxide, like 304 degrees Kelvin and 7.4 atmospheres of pressure, something like that, it will suck the carbon, it'll suck the caffeine out of your beans or your leaves. And then when the carbon dioxide evaporates, you're left with crystalline caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of other contaminating things because it's not perfectly selective, but it doesn't take out many of the flavors. You can also do that with the Swiss water process using water. So high temperature, high pressure water will pull out the caffeine and just a couple of other things. And that apparently gives you the best flavor for uh, the best results. You don't, you don't change the flavor so much. And that's the goal because you want to taste good. You just don't want to get the jitters. Maybe. And that's good. <laughs> it's been a while since I had a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's some caffeine, man. Woo. No, you, you don't want to get the jitters if you have a cup of cafe, uh, coffee at 10 o'clock at night. But you still want a nice flavor that the coffee gives you. Right. So that's the magic of decaffeination. There's some really cool uh, chemistry to it. I don't quite understand all the chemistry, but it really is amazing. Yeah. I remember there was an excellent video that explained that, what is it called, adenosine? is the a chemical that uh, builds up all over the brain and caffeine fills in the areas that adenosine shows up and then it, it doesn't communicate to the, your brain you should be tired it's you should be getting drowsy it's time to go to sleep wow does doesn't does any of this ring a bell go to the next page in the notes okay because let's talk look there's adenosine on the left in the middle on that biochemical chart that I, that I have there there's adenosine right there. Wow. Okay. It's yeah. only a couple of steps away from caffeine. So we don't manufacture caffeine. Hmm. True. Plants do. Right. But they, so what they do is they take a normal biochemical synthesis pathway, pathway where they're manufacturing things that are just everyday chemicals that plants have and we have and everything other form of life has. And then they add a couple extra enzymes that will convert these normal things to something new, something we can't do. But they're very similar looking. So start with adenosine. All right. Adenosine triphosphate or ATP is the, the powerhouse of the cell. It's the, it's the thing that, that we store energy and we, we use that for all these different energy consuming processes in the cell. 
ADP is also important. AMP or adenosine monophosphate is also very important. And what happens is if you rip that in half, you get adenine, which is the A in, D, in the ACGT in DNA. Adenine is one of the bases of DNA. Wow. So we have, a, we have adenosine and adenine. Every life form on earth makes these chemicals. But if you take adenine, you can add a phosphate and you get adenine monophosphate or adenosine monophosphate. Then you can get change that to inosine monophosphate and then xanthine monophosphate. And then you can get xanthosine and then you can convert that to methyl xanthosine by adding a carbon dioxide or a methyl group, a CH3, that you rip off another molecule. And then you can transfer that, make it to methyl xanthine and then you can make it into theobromine oh that's the stuff we just talked about and if you add one more ch3 to theobromine you get caffeine so it's not like this is a simple process there's like one two three four five six seven or eight steps that go from adenine to caffeine and each one of those requires an enzyme that has to be coded in the dna in some gene somewhere so it's very complicated but amazing absolutely chemistry is fascinating and it produces this toxic molecule that should kill you and yet we like taking little sips of it because of what it does to our adrenal glands yes <laughs> remarkable <laughs> i just i just love biochemistry it's it's a wonder isn't it yeah all right i don't have much more to say on caffeine i have a question yeah what does it taste like you know i don't know I don't think it has a taste. I'm just going to put it out there. I, I bet it does not have a flavor, but I don't know. I bet it's bitter because almost all chemicals are bitter for some reason. Hmm. Most bio, biological molecules concentrated are just bitter, which is why all of our medicines, like pills, they're always coated in something. If you bite the pill in half, it's like, ew, it's bitter. Yeah. Almost every medicine is bitter on the inside because of that. But I don't know what it tastes like. Probably doesn't have a smell either. Mm, okay. But it's in the right size range for things that smell it's not so big that it wouldn't have a smell go down to the last page of the notes i i, I found a graphic on i don't know wikipedia or something like that uh-huh. and there's pictures there of a vanilla ice cream cone butter and orange a banana grapes wintergreen and cinnamon and it's showing you the chemical that's found in all of those things and what the chemicals shape like okay i'm with you so far i'm looking at the chemical yeah now Vanillin, the chemical, does not taste like vanilla. Oh, okay. But it's in so many things we consume. A, a fantastic number of things we consume because it's vanilla-like and it's close enough to vanilla that when you taste it, you say, oh, that's a vanilla flavor. But then when you have the taste of a real vanilla bean, you realize it's not the vanilla flavor, but we've been convinced that that's what vanilla tastes like. Huh. But it's just a ring. It's a simple six-carbon benzene ring with two things sticking off either side, and that gives you vanilla. And there's a couple of modifications you can do, and it still tastes very similar. Butter is a really, that the butter flavor is a really simple molecule. And there's a couple of very similar molecules that we buttery. But it's got one, one, two, three, four carbons and two oxygens. Simple. Orange, that orange flavor, it, it, it's a, again, it's a ring with a couple carbons sticking off either end. The banana flavor does not taste like bananas. But it's a typical, I think it's a ketone. It's got an oxygen in the middle of, the, of, the, uh, of the, the run of carbons. And it's got a double bond. I think it's ketone. Double bond of oxygen with an oxygen next to it. 
and a bunch of carbon stuck on it. And that gives you your banana flavor. And, and then grapes, again, it's a circle with some things sticking off of it. Dude, I'm starting to see patterns here. They're very similar chemicals here. Yeah. And they all have different smells and different flavors. And your nose, like we could do a whole nother episode on, on the nose. Oh, please, can we? That'd be wonderful. It can instantly recognize every single one of these chemicals uniquely, even if you've never smelled it before. Every single one of these is different. And it's a bit of a mystery. We don't quite know how the nose does this. Because <laughs> wow. you don't have a million or a billion smell receptors. You have a few. Really? And yet they can instantly detect differences in these chemicals. And you get wintergreen. Um, there's a, a birch tree that grows not this far south, but a little far, like Virginia area and further north. You get pick a, a twig and put it in your mouth and chew it. It tastes like wintergreen. I remember growing up on Long Island in, in Boy Scouts, there would be natural wintergreen just growing on the ground at our campsite. You just pick it up, put it in your mouth, it would be like you're brushing your teeth. But it's just <laughs> yeah. a green leaf with wintergreen. Yum, 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 yum. So these are the chemicals that we figured out we can manufacture and they don't kill us. But there are other chemicals very similar to these that are absolutely highly toxic. And it might just be like moving a carbon or adding an oxygen. And the reason they're toxic usually is they interfere with some complex biochemical system. They'll like get stuck in an enzyme and now your enzyme is broken because it's jammed up and now some super important biological process can't happen because you just de deactivated that enzyme. So biochemistry is amazing. It's fun. It's cool. It's interesting. And there's some things in there that you don't want to touch. And other things, Hey, man, put more cinnamon flavor in my coffee because I like the flavor, even though it's not a cinnamon stick. It doesn't really taste like cinnamon, but they found one of the ingredients that cinnamon has a lot of, and that's what you can manufacture now. And almost all of these things are industrially produced. You can extract them from the original, but that costs a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if caffeine's industrial produced. I bet it's not because there's so much decaffeination happening that there's lots of caffeine being pulled out of coffee and tea. But I wonder, I, I, I wonder, it looks kind of complicated to get there. Hmm. I don't know. Question I haven't even answered myself. Interesting. How many cups of tea do you have a day? One or two. And do you drink any decaffeinated tea too? No, it's not worth it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to drink tea, I'm drinking tea. There's a reason for it. No, never, I've never had a decaf co uh, cup of decaf coffee either. Okay. Do you, have an, uh, so do you have another poison besides alcohol? Beverages, you know, is there like a favorite juice? Do you have a favorite soda? Uh, I drink some LaCroix. Do you? Okay. I don't, but I don't drink sugary sodas. I, I, I quit that in my early 20s when I was still in college. I was getting, I thought I had a problem with the sugar. It was the caffeine. I didn't realize, you know, drinking Coca-Cola's, you know, for dinner or something like that. I didn't realize it was the caffeine messing me up, not the sugar. But I quit soft drinks cold turkey and 10 or 15 years later I realized oh it's not the sugars but then i was off them so i got unaddicted because yeah when i was a kid man i drank a lot of a lot of soft drinks growing up i don't have a lot of soft drinks either the uh, we do have what's called a soda stream and just have bubbly water yeah we we enjoy that at home i, I like bubbly water and someone came out with my idea when when they came out with Lacroix. I was like, okay, this is cool, but someone needs to invent something, and I call it perk. And it's a LaCroix-like beverage with a little bit of caffeine in it. Oh, perfect. Okay. It's a little perk, yeah. right? But now, now they're starting to do that now. So, okay, so 
Someone beat me to it. Not that I was ever going to do it. And I'm glad they do. I don't know if I'll ever have one. So I'm not a huge fan of the LaCroix just because the flavors to me taste like uh, they're too artificially. They taste like Jolly Ranchers without the sweetener. There are some that I cannot stand and others I like a lot. Like all the citrus ones are just gross. Um, They had a guava one I cannot find anymore. I keep looking for it. And it was so good. But I only saw it like once or twice and I haven't seen it in the store since. I tend to get the coconut. I'll mix that with apple juice. Oh, that's yummy. But yeah, no, I'm not a... I mean, I love flavors and I love really nice tasting foods. I mean, if I make chili, I'm going to cook it for hours. And I'm going to add a square of unsweetened chocolate. Because that is going to take the bean flavor and the, the tomato flavor and it sticks in between them and it blends them together in this lovely, rich sort of... You don't taste any chocolate at all, but it, it just... It makes a rich flavor. It's so good. And if you look on um, a lot of ingredients on things that have tomatoes, you look on it, it has cocoa in it. Hmm. And people don't realize that. But it's just an ingredient. That it's, a, it's a wonderfonderfully rich flavor that sits in the background. And I, I, I mean, if I make something with onions, I'm going to caramelize those onions. Uh, I'm going to just make them nice golden brown. In fact, when I brown meat, I try to do it slowly to make it brown, not gray. Hmm. It just, okay. it just to me, it just feels more rich when you when you brown it more slowly. I know some people, oh, you're brown it fast. No, I don't think it's the opposite. It tastes better. Hmm. So I, I am a foodie, and I love good flavored foods, but I'm a little boring in my choice of beverages. <laughs> no, I don't think so. To each his own. Right. I, I'm really boring when it comes to ice cream. I, I prefer vanilla what? with just a little bit of fruit, what? maybe sort of flavor to it, maybe something cookie related. But I, I would be very happy. With just vanilla. Well, okay. Vanilla is good. Okay. If you ever go down to Carrollton, I took my daughter there last weekend, right on the square, you have to go to the buttered utter. But the buttered utter? The buttered utter. The buttered utter. Yeah, exactly. And there's an apostrophe in there somewhere. I can't, I can't even pretend to spell it. Okay. But it's, it's homemade ice cream and it's really good. And both times I went there, all I got was a small chocolate and it was perfect. I don't need anything else. It was rich. Remember our ice cream episode? Well, this is real ice cream. Nice. Was that an extra we did, or was it a, was it a full? It, episode? it was one of the yeah. It was one of the uh, Equinox Plus episodes. Okay, hey y'all, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. But it was so yummy, and that is my definition of a perfect ice cream: is just a good, smooth, rich, firm chocolate. I can go for vanilla. I like vanilla. But if I ever go to Dairy Queen, which you know. I'm not going to say I ever go to Dairy Queen, but if I ever do go to Dairy Queen, because I love this, I would get the vanilla soft serve dipped in chocolate. Mm-hmm. I do like me a dipped cone. I had one of those just the other day. Hmm. I tried to get an orange one and they're like, no, sorry, we're out. It's like, ah, all right, I'll get the chocolate, please. And sure, went back to chocolate. Huh. That's actually just last week. And, and you sure that it is real chocolate? No questions about that? Um. I suspect it is not a chemical concoction, but I don't know what substances they add to it to make it do what it does. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a wax-like substance in there. Gotcha. Yeah, because I do, I do think that there's a waxiness to it. Yeah. I think uh, McDonald's shakes, I heard that they had plastic in them, and it's such that when you put negative pressure on it with a straw, it expands and gets thicker. But that might be an urban legend. I don't know. And the definition of plastic is a bit ambiguous. I mean, what, what is a plastic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could not define what that is, actually. So I'm not sure what this person meant. But this person should have known. I'm not going to say who it was. It wasn't anyone you know. But 
this person was an authority in my life and that I'm trusting this person that they weren't lying to me, but I don't know what they meant. Hmm. All right. Well, then thank you everybody for listening to this and joining us on this quest. If you enjoy Equinox this episode in any way, consider sharing it with your friends and family. And if you want to dig deeper into the subject of caffeine, the internet is chock full of information, but you can get the links and show notes together for this episode. Anything that Rob wants to point you to so that they're with this episode. If you are listening to this in your podcast player or at the website, and you should also check out Biblical Genetics. Rob's other project is videos on the channel on YouTube and biblicalgenetics.com. And uh, catch up with me on Twitter. I am at JCS Darnell on Twitter if you want to look me up and say hi. If you want to listen to my other podcast, that is nightowl.fm slash hi-fi. Until next time, goodbye, Rob. Goodbye, Joe. You've been listening to Equinox.